you tonight. We bless your holy name for tonight. We thank you for the revelation of righteousness that has grasped our hearts and our attention. And we pray that as we continue on this journey, may the fire of righteousness give us a convicting heart, a burning heart that will run forth with this message, becoming faithful heralders of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, are we all in the Easter spirit? <laughs> yeah, in the Easter spirit. Do you have your Easter eggs? ready tonight we continue on our study the book of romans and we start with chapter four today but before that we wrapped up chapter three by looking at the last 10 verses and just like you all rightly said we spoke about righteousness is by faith in christ jesus apart from the law so the last 10 verses of chapter three buttresses the the fact that one cannot become righteous by law keeping it is by faith in jesus christ and that is the centrality of the gospel amen in chapter 4 paul strengthens his case by now looking at the father of the jews in abraham was he justified by the law or by faith so we are going to read the first eight verses of chapter 4 to look into that but first and foremost what you have to understand is the father of jews is not a jew yeah abraham was not a jew abraham was a gentile he was a chaldean you know where he came from he came from the air or the land of the chaldeans he was a moon worshiper and, and and his descendants at one point were suppressors of the Jews. Go with me to Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 to 11. Look at Abraham's true genealogy or his true descendancy. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 to 11. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. This is where actually Abraham comes from. Abraham is not a Jew. Abraham is a Chaldean. A bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breath of the earth, to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power. 
<clears throat> excuse me, to his God. So you see, there's where Abraham comes from. Abraham is a Chaldean. And Chaldeans are very violent by nature. Uh, when you read through the Old Testament, particularly the prophets, that's from Isaiah to Malachi, one of the suppressors of the Jews as a sign of punishment from the Lord for disobeying him and for going after other gods was to send forth the Chaldean nation. So Abraham was not just a moon worshipper. He came from a very violent tribe. And this Chaldean, who is a Gentile, because Chaldeans were Gentiles, right? And this Chaldean, who is a Gentile, became the father of the Jews. So what sets him apart from this race? What sets him apart from this Gentile nation? And what made him the father of all Jews? Righteousness. So now, with that said, let's now look into the first eight verses of Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered or atoned. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So Paul stated that Abraham found nothing according to the flesh, which means he didn't do any works or quote-unquote any good works to be justified. And I've explained the meaning of justified last week. Justified is the state of being righteous. And what is righteous? Righteous means God has right every wrong of yours, that you are able to stand in front of God, man, and the devil without any sense of guilt. So Abraham experienced this gift of righteousness. He was justified not because he did anything, the Bible states clearly that Abraham was justified by faith when we look at this scripture. And then Paul quoted Genesis 15, verse 6, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. For this reason, Abraham was the righteousness of God by faith. So for us to understand this, let's go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So what, what are the things after these things? If you read Genesis chapter 14, it gives an overview of um, the residence of Lot, which was Sodom and Gomorrah. 
the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fought against different kings of a region. And as a result of that, Sodom and Gomorrah was in captivity. And when they were in captivity, Lot and his family were also in captivity with their possessions along. But the Bible lets us know that there was one that fled from the, the scene of the war and went to report to Abraham. And the Bible lets us know that Abraham took 318 trained servants in his house and they went to fight and delivered Lot and his family from the captors. That's, that's powerful. I mean, if you look at the closing scene between Abraham and Lot, it wasn't a good one. If you do remember chapter 13, that's the previous chapter, let us know that there was strife between the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham. So that was how they parted. They parted on strife. But Abraham went to go and rescue his nephew and his family. And the Bible lets us know that on his way, he met one who was like Christ. He had no beginning nor end. He was a priest and he was called Melchizedek. And the Bible lets us know that Abraham gave a tithe of the belongings he had, a tenth of what he had to the priest. And the priest blessed him and the priest ministered to him bread and wine. After that, he met the king of Sodom and the king of Sodom wanted to thank him and bless him for uh, rescuing the, the Sodomites, that's the, 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 the natives of Sodom, and of course the people from Gomorrah from, from captivity. And Abraham says that I have sworn by God that I will take nothing from you. So that was the episode. From then, then chapter 15, after all this instance, it starts with, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. So that was what happened in chapter 14. And now we are in chapter 15. And now God said, do not be afraid, Abraham. You see, at that time, he was called Abraham, not Abraham. Abraham means exalted father. Abraham means a father of many nations. So I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars. You see, Abraham was a moon worshiper, so I think he, he understood that. You know, the moon worship is where astrology and all those things come from. You know, they, they will see some people, I'm a Sagittarius, I'm a Scorpio, I'm a Libra, I'm a Capricorn. That started from here. It's Abraham's former religion before he became a, before he became a believer. Um... Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. 
So this was how Abraham became righteous. Abraham, at that time, his name hadn't been changed yet, became righteous. He believed God. He believed God that it wasn't Eliezer who was going to be the heir. He believed that a seed will come out of his own dead body. The Bible says so in Romans chapter 4. Out of his own dead body, out of Sarah's barren womb, a child was going to come out from. And because Abraham believed that, the Bible lets us know it was credited to his account for righteousness. You have to understand that at this point, Abraham was now getting acquainted with the Lord. God had just called Abraham in chapter 12. He was 75 and God called him. Chapter 12, he had to leave his, his country, his family, and his father's house and go to a place where he didn't know. In chapter 13, whilst Abraham was on the surgeon, he had to lie to Pharaoh that his wife is his sister. Well, technically, I would not even say it's a lie. Maybe I'll say, but okay, half lie. A half lie is still a lie. <laughs> because Abraham really married his stepsister, if you, if you look at the genealogy carefully. Because the Bible says that Sarah was very pretty. You know, Abraham and Isaac, they all married pretty ladies. <laughs> you see, the same thing also happened to Isaac, if you read your scriptures. <laughs> Abimelech also tried. But the Bible says Abimelech saw Isaac sporting with his wife. Like, wow, it's his wife. It's not the sister. And interesting. Abraham had done that at that time. Then there was strife between him and Lot. He was not really deep in his relationship with God as of yet. It, it, it wasn't yet the time where Israelites could even ascribe the God of Abraham. It wasn't yet time. There was no even seed, no Israelites. Yet Abraham looked at all his surroundings, his circumstance, his background. He believed God. There is something powerful about belief. That's what we have to learn here in this scripture. And because Abraham believed God, you know, Abraham did not even have the Bible. Where was the Bible? There was nothing like the Bible. The Bible technically was written in Exodus chapter 20. It started with 10 commandments, then it started to add up. There was nothing like the law. But Abraham just believed, just faith, pure childlike faith. The Bible lets us know he was righteous. Abraham was uncircumcised. He hadn't circumcised yet. You know, for the Jews, it was a big thing for you to be circumcised before you, they would even consider you a righteous person. Abraham was not circumcised. He is the father of the Jews. He wasn't circumcised, yet God declared him righteous. God overlooked all these things, overlooked his background, overlooked his lineage, overlooked the religion that he came from, which was moon worship. He overlooked all these things. And he just looked at the childlike faith of Abraham. Abraham just believing it was enough to score brownie points with God. And God declared him righteous. This is how God's system of justification works. Even now, 
God's system of justification, it doesn't work because you have to do some good works. It doesn't work because you have to do some works per se. No matter how filthy you are, no matter your background, God's justification can still reach you at the point of your need. And that's the good, that's, that's the good news about the gospel. You don't need to clean yourself up per se, do some good works, quote-unquote per se, before coming to Christ. Come to Christ as you are. Abraham did that. He just believed the word. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Isaiah 1.18 Come to Christ just as you are, and he will justify us by imputing upon us the gift of righteousness. That's righteousness. So, righteousness is according to the order of Abraham, not according to the order of the law. And that's Paul's argument here. And now when you read verse 4, it says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Now you have to understand there are two types of labor in our Christian faith. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. So, what does the Bible mean when it says that if you do works, they are counted as debt, but not as grace? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved by faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So may I bring to your attention that there are two types of labor we see here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10. The first one is works. We have been saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift. Thank God that salvation is a gift. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Last week, when we were finishing chapter 3, Apostle Paul says that, for what reason can you boast that you have been justified and been declared righteous? Is it by works? Nay, but by the law of faith. So, works is the first form of labor we have to understand. The second form of labor we have to understand here are good works. So there are works, good works. Now what's the difference between the two? The first type of labor, which is works, is anything we do outside of Christ before we are saved. It's a debt. When you witness, you go about, and Pastor Jessica and I, we have done a lot of witnessing over the years. You, 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 some of the excuses or reasons why people have, it's amazing. And all this are debt. I'm a good person because I look after my mother. I'm a good person because I give to Salvation Army. I'm a good person because I don't cross the traffic lights when it's on red. All these things are works, but they are debts. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. If you are not in Christ, 
And if you are doing quote-unquote these works to merit God's gift of righteousness, the Bible lets us know it's a debt. Because man is a sinner. Man by nature is a sinner. No amount of quote-unquote our good works can make us saved or earn God's free gift of righteousness. God actually frowns upon that. If you are not in Christ and if you do quote-unquote some works, God frowns upon that. Isaiah 64 verse 6. Let me read this in Good News Bible. All of us have been sinful. Even our best actions are filthy enough through and through. Because of our sins, we are like leaves that wither and are blown away by the wind. Our best actions, they are filthy through and through. Our very best actions. Is, you know, in this one, this, we, we, we use what is called the Gregorian calendar. And according to the Gregorian calendar, we have B.C. and A.D. B.C. is before Christ. A.D. is Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord. So A.D. It started from when Christ was born. So Christ was born A.D. 1. And then from now, we have moved to 2021. So when, when Christ died... It was said he died A.D. 33, right? So it's been 1,988 years since Christ died. And, and that's what we are celebrating on Friday. It's a 1,988th year of Christ's death. What is the significance of it? When he died, we, were, we, we experienced redemption. We experienced forgiveness of sins. When he resurrected, it assured us that one day, we will go to heaven. This is the 1,188th year of that. And the church is also 1,188th year because uh, it's 1,988 years, I'm sorry, because the church was uh, inaugurated in the 33rd year of Christ. That's when he went to heaven. That was AD 33, right? So we have these two timelines. Likewise, in, in, in our spiritual work, we also have two timelines. We have BC and we have AD. So there are works that you do, you did BC, and there are works that you did AD. When I'm talking about AD, I'll talk about after the death of Christ. When you do works after the death of Christ, it registers. When you do works BC, that's before Christ, it doesn't register. There is no amount of noble work, excuse me, any amount of good work that you can do outside God's grace, outside God's salvation, that will score brownie points of God. It's not good enough. You know, in this world, there have been notable people who have done great things. Let me mention someone like Nelson Mandela. He ended apartheid. It's a great thing, noble thing, end apartheid. Stop all sort of um, tribal relation, ethnic cleansing, uh, all those bad things that were going on. But you know that if, if, if you didn't receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, everything that you did is just counted as debts. Someone like Michael Jackson, he's been known to be the most charitable star in the Guinness Book of Records. 
There is nobody that gave more money to charities than Michael Jackson. Now, if you did all this and you didn't receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it's just death. That, that's what it said. So, no matter whatever you do, it is still counted as death. It's under the first form of labor called works. That's why when we are preaching to the gospel, we have to make people know that, look, it doesn't matter how good you are, man is intrinsically sinful. And that's why the Good News Bible says that no matter our best actions, we are born sinners. It's not good enough. We are filthy through and through. And the reason why we are filthy through and through is not necessarily because of the action. It is because of the states that we find ourselves in. So man can't score good points with God if you are outside Christ. So everything that we do, Apostle Paul terms it, it is called death. Now let's look at the second type of labor. It's good works. You do those in Christ. It is not counted as death, but it's counted as faith. Because the Bible says, faith without works is dead. So sometimes I've seen people who have taken the scripture out of context and like, oh, when you are a Christian, you are not supposed to do works. When you do works, is death. You have to read it properly in context. If you are not a Christian, any sort of work that you do, noble as it may seem, good as it may seem, it is called works. It's death. It can't earn you God's gift of righteousness. It can't earn you God's gift of salvation. So there are some people who are not bad people, but they are not Christians. They, they will be shocked at the pearly gates of heaven. Because when they stand in front of God, all their works that they have done, all their noble deeds that they have done, is death. You will have to rather believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Then you are the righteousness of God. And then after that, whatever work that now you are doing, it is now termed as good works. Do you all understand? So verse 5 goes on to say, The one who does not work believes in God, who justifies the ungodly, is righteous. It's as simple as that. So, Paul is buttressing his point that it is not work that will make you safe. Sometimes you see some people, I remember one time we preached to somebody and I was very sad. He said he believes the message. It's true. But he wants to go and clean up himself and come to church. He said he wants to come to church. He's a bad person. He admitted, I am a bad person. But let me go and clean myself up. I will come to church. I said, that is not the reason for the gospel. If that's the reason for the gospel, God will not allow me to preach to you. God preached to God allowed me to preach to you that no matter the state in which you are, just come to him. It's God that does the cleaning. You don't need to do anything. It is works. Everything that we explain, he said, no, he's bad. He has to go and clean himself and he will come. And, and that was it. He never came. So this, this is what happens. And the Bible is letting us know in verse 5 that we will have to believe in God who justifies the ungodly. That's how one becomes righteous. You don't become righteous by works. You become righteous by believing in God 
who justifies the ungodly. That's how we become righteous. And this is the gospel. And that's why Apostle Paul, in his opening remarks in chapter 1, says, This gospel, in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, David now prophetically talked about this day. In Psalm 31, verse 1 to 2. And he says that blessed is the man whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are atoned for, are, are covered, and who the Lord doesn't impute sin. Why? Because of the gift of righteousness. You see, David was living under the law, but he could, you know, David was also a prophet. David could foresee that a day is coming, an era is coming, a dispensation is coming. Where people's lawless deeds are going to be forgiven, people's sins are going to be atoned for, and the Lord will not impute upon them sin. Why? Because of the gift of God. Because of this message Apostle Paul is preaching, David foresaw it, even when he was under the dispensation of the law. You know, when I read it, I said, oh, I don't envy to be David. Sometimes there are some people say, I wish I was there. I don't envy to be David. I don't envy to be David. Well, this is similar to like Moses standing on the mount, seeing the promised land, but he never entered. I really compared this scenario to that. Amen. So we should indeed count ourselves blessed. We live in a dispensation. We live in an era where our lawless deeds are forgiven. Our sins are atoned for. And God is not imputing sins upon us because of the force and the gift of righteousness. And this is why we, we are going to celebrate Easter this weekend. It is the inception of the gift of righteousness upon us. And there is every cause for us to be thankful and grateful. And also what we have to know is that this is for a season. A time will come when the end of the age occurs. God will now have to be a judge on the day of wrath and revelation, as you read in Romans chapter 2. Amen. So now let's wrap up our study tonight by looking at verses 9 to 12. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the circumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now, when Paul talks about this blessedness in this verse, he is talking about being justified by faith. When you look at the context, Paul posed a serious question to his audience 
does this blessedness. And that's what David talked about. You are blessed because your lawless deeds are forgiven. You are blessed because your sins are atoned for, are covered. You are blessed because the Lord does not impute sin. This state of blessedness, Paul now asks a question. Does it happen to the circumcised only? Or does it also happen to the uncircumcised? And Paul goes ahead to answer this question. Abraham became righteous while uncircumcised. He was a Gentile, yet justified by faith. Why was Abraham circumcised? First and foremost, we have to understand that circumcision was a seal of the righteousness by faith upon Abraham while uncircumcised. Okay, so circumcision came to seal the deal. You know, in Genesis chapter 15, when the Lord told Abraham that a seed from his body will be an heir, the Bible says that when he believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, when you read further, the, 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 the closing verse of chapter 15, God entered into a covenant with Abraham because Abraham asked the Lord, Lord, how will I inherit this? How shall I inherit this? All that you are saying, my seed will be numerous. How will I inherit this promise? God told him, okay, bring a three-year-old Haifa, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old uh, ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And when Abraham brought this, the Bible says he cut all these things into half, placed them on the altar. And, you know, the approval of God's offering during those times was that fire will come and consume the offering. And, and when that happened... It meant God had established a covenant. So now, these were not just words that the Lord was speaking to Abraham. Now, this was a binding covenant. God had now made a covenant with Abraham. But when you read chapter 17, the Bible lets us know that now God decided to provide a sign that showed that he had a covenant with Abraham. And the sign of that covenant was circumcision. So let's read on. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 11. I read, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him. So, between Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 17, God had worked with Abraham for a period of 24 years. So now the relationship is becoming deep. Amen. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Check this out. Have you read the chapter before this? The chapter before this is chapter 16. And do you know that when God finished the covenant, he had established a covenant with Abraham that you will be the father of many nations. Out of your own body, a seed will come forth that will be an heir. 
Do you know what happened in Genesis chapter 16? The Bible says that Abraham listened to Sarah. Sarah said, take my maid. Go and lie in with her. For I can't give birth. And Abraham did. And when Abraham did that, the Bible lets us know that he gave birth to Ishmael. And the Lord spoke about Ishmael. That Ishmael was going to be a strong man. He's, he's going to put his hand around people's necks. That means he was going to be a violent guy. And now when you trace the genealogy of Ishmael, it's another region altogether. They are here presently with us. Abraham slept with Hagar. That was doubt. You know the funny thing? Under the law, Abraham would have been killed. Under the law. This would have been sinful. Under the law, it would have been called disobedience. But funny enough, when God spoke to Abraham in chapter 17, and between chapter 16 and chapter 17, it's a 13-year period. Because in chapter 16, Abraham gave birth to Ishmael. In chapter 17, Ishmael is 13 years old. So Ishmael is a teenager. So it's a 13-year period. So I don't know, in between chapter 16 and chapter 17, those gaps, I don't know whether God and Abraham communicated, you know, that, that is not really clear, that is sketchy. But what I find amazing is that God did not annul his covenant that he had with Abraham. Think about it. God did not annul his covenant he had with Abraham. He didn't reverse the blessing that he was going to bless Abraham with. He still changed his name from you are an exalted father to a father of many nations. Even though Abraham had made a mistake, could it be, think with me, that Abraham believed so strongly that he is the righteousness of God? Could it be? So sometimes when we understand the gift of righteousness, it frees us from sin. It frees us from the consciousness of sin. And we don't give place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. The Bible says, no, give place to the devil. One of the ways you can give place to the devil in your life is when you become sin conscious. And when you become sin conscious, you open the door for the devil to accuse you and condemn you. After Abraham had made such a huge mistake, which has now cost us. Ishmael has cost us today. Ishmael has cost us. Because of Ishmael, we have 9-11. Because of Ishmael, we have 7-7 in England. Because of Ishmael, there are many things that have happened. The Ishmaelites are very radical people. The Ishmaelites and the Western world don't get along. All this is a result of Abraham's mistake. But when God spoke to Abraham, God did not chide Abraham. He still said that, look, you are the father of many nations. You are the one I have promised to bless. You are the one I am going to make exceedingly fruitful. You are the one that I will form nations out of you. Kings shall come out of you. God did not annul his covenant. So may I say something? When you become the righteousness of God and when you sin, listen to me very carefully. God still doesn't cancel his plans concerning your life. Don't let the devil fool you. 
And when I say that, it also doesn't mean you shouldn't live accountably, you shouldn't lead a spirit-filled life, and you shouldn't live righteously. Are you understanding me? So, so hear what I'm saying and hear what I am also not saying. When God has made a promise concerning your life, listen, you are the righteousness of God. And if you fall into a sin, into some scandal, God still hasn't canceled his agenda concerning your life. And I am also not saying, don't live an accountable life. I am also not saying you should live anyhow, okay? But since we are all striving to be like Christ, it's possible that we will all sin. It's possible that we will all make mistakes. Get back up. Repent about it. Allow God to forgive you. Keep moving on. You are the righteousness of God. God's plan, God's agenda concerning your life will still not be aborted. Sin can derail the program and the plan of God, but it will not abort the plan and the program of God concerning your life. And that's something that everybody has to know. And sometimes the definition of you understanding righteousness, it will come at the crux point when you are encumbered in a sin or in a scandal. I've seen men of God who are doing very well, doing very well, until they fell into a scandal. They could never get up again because of the shame of it. And sometimes even how we even present the message. God had a big ministry for you, but because you have sinned, he doesn't have a big ministry for you. But that is not in God's kingdom economy. God might still have a big ministry for you. Yes, sin may derail that program, but it doesn't abort that program. You have to be able to say, I repent of the sin. I am not going to go back to it. I'm now going to make steps. I'm going to make plans and make sure that I don't fall into that again, but I'm going to keep on living my life as the righteousness of God. And when God met Abraham, he didn't chide them of the mistake because what he did was a terrible mistake, which we are suffering grave consequences now. But God still went ahead to bless him. God still went ahead with the agenda and God still said he was the righteousness of God. But if Abraham was living under the dispensation of the law, believe you me, Abraham would have died. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So circumcision came as a sign of the covenant. So when an Israelite circumcised, yes, they were a chosen nation. Yes, they were holy. But it also said that 
God had a covenant with our father Abraham. And this is the sign. And that is why the Jewish people, they use this as an affront against Gentile nations. Amen. But Paul is saying that because we are under the new dispensation, you don't use this now as an affront to divide. The gospel has come to unite the circumcised and the uncircumcised. So now you see Abraham here who is 99 years old. He's now circumcising. The Bible says he circumcised all the servants in his house and he circumcised a teenager, Ishmael, because it was a sign of the covenant that God was going to bless Abraham. So circumcision was a seal of the righteousness of faith by which Abraham had received. Amen. So Paul then delineates two reasons for Abraham's circumcision. That he will be the father of those who are uncircumcised, who have been imputed upon by righteousness of faith. So that's why God in his divinity allowed Abraham to be circumcised in Genesis chapter 17. So that we who, who are uncircumcised, who receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, Abraham is also our father. Because Abraham was not made righteous when he was circumcised. He was made righteous while he was uncircumcised. So when we give our lives, when we receive Christ into our lives as Lord and Savior, Abraham is also our father. Because mind you, he was justified whilst uncircumcised. So the first reason for Abraham's circumcision was he will be the father of those who are uncircumcised, who have been imputed upon the righteousness of faith. The second reason was he will be the father of the circumcised who will walk in his steps while uncircumcised. So Abraham had to be circumcised sort of to unify both the Jews and the Gentiles. He is circumcised and he is a father to the Gentiles because Gentiles can now receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior by faith. Abraham is our father because Abraham was justified before circumcision. And to the circumcised, he is a father to those who will walk in his steps before circumcision. That was believing in Christ or believing in God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. So from today, understand we are the seed of Abraham. And we have been declared righteous just like him. That's why we are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham because we walk in the steps of our father Abraham. And what were those steps? Before circumcision, he believed God and it was declared unto him righteousness. And therefore, if we want to receive the gift of righteousness, even though we are uncircumcised in our hearts, now the New Testament talks about circumcision of the heart. Once we believe in Christ, who has become the penalty for our sins, we too can declare, we too can experience the gift of righteousness. 
We aren't righteous on the basis of good works, but by belief. This is why the gospel is known as good news, and this has to be heralded across the globe. Amen. So God willing, we'll finish chapter 4 next week. And now, since we know that Abraham has been declared righteous by faith. Now, we will finish the 10 verses, the last 10 verses of chapter 4. Did Abraham receive the promise through faith? So today, we've looked at the first 12 verses, which has made us know that Abraham was declared righteous by faith. Now, the last 10 verses from verse 13 to 24, we are going to talk about now, did Abraham receive the promise by faith or he received it by the law? So that's the question that we are going to answer next week. Amen. I'm down for tonight. Any questions or contributions? Uh, maybe just, just a kind of a question. Okay. Uh, can you repeat? Because um, I think I lost you in thought um, when you were talking about the covenant and the circumcision before chapter 17 correct yes before that what did you say about the covenant um what god said to abraham in chapter 15 they were just words it became established when god made a covenant with abraham and god made a covenant with abraham by telling abraham to bring a three-year-old haifa a three-year-old female goat a three-year-old ram a turtle dove and a pigeon. Then it became a covenant. So now, the first six verses, it wasn't a covenant. It was just words that it, because God, once He says words, is as he, you know, His word is just good enough. It's good enough. But Abraham, but God wanted to assure Abraham, look, what I'm saying to you, they are not just words. I'm going to make a binding. I'm going to make the covenant. Chapter seventeen, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. So when the Jews and the descendants after Abraham, when they circumcised, it was a sign that God had made a covenant with our father. That's why we are circumcising. Circumcision was not biological. Like today, it's a biological thing. But in, in, during the, their times, it was a spiritual thing. When they circumcised, it's like we are the seed of Abraham. We are circumcising because God has made a covenant with our Father. Okay, so um, I think that's where I'm a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit um, like trying to connect the, the thoughts. Okay, so um, the the animal sacrifice uh, for what the words. God gave, what did that represent? So that represented the actual covenant. That's the establishment of the covenant. That's the actual covenant. Yeah. Then for Abraham to have a physical sign of the covenant, then they had circumcision. Yeah. So I guess my question then would be, why did we, why did there have to be a physical sign of the covenant if he already had the covenant. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like if 
if we already had covenant, why was there a sign necessary on on man man's body? Uh, I didn't finish reading Genesis chapter 17. If you read further on, it will let you know that it's for the generations after. But Abraham was going to die. This was something that was not just for him. This was something that was going to be transgenerational. It's going to be a nation. So no, it would be something for remembrance. For remembrance. So anybody after who was not there during the days of Abraham, they will always know that. God made a covenant with Abraham. It's transgenerational. So the circumcision was for generations to come. Not necessarily for Abraham, but generations after him. Okay. 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 Thank you. All right. Is 801... Does anybody have any question or contribution? If not, can some can just one person sum up pop the flint tonight? What did you get out the out of the whole Rasmatas tonight? That's one person. So circumcision as um, a requirement for salvation was wrong in the first place because Abraham was declared righteous by his faith, by believing in God who declares and, and that declared him righteous. That, that was also a sign that Abraham was going to become the father of both the uncircumcised and the circumcised. He was going to become the father of righteousness for both the circumcised and uncircumcised. And so, um, his righteousness was before the circumcision. So, righteousness is uh, our righteousness is by believing in God, not just by our good works. The good works are good, like you said, but those things do not end our salvation. Our, um, our righteousness is by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for what we've learned. We thank you that may we gain more revelation on righteousness. Your word says that righteousness is solid food. And as we continue to become acquainted with this solid food of the doctrine of righteousness, may we grow in thereby into the image and into the likeness of who you want us to be. That is your son, Christ. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Uh, announcements. We are we are still finalizing our details for the camp. Alright, so double occupancy is 279 per person and uh, triple occupancy is 239 per person. So the church will pay half. Okay. So half of 279, I think, is 139. We did a calculation and 239 is 100 and something. So we'll, we'll foot half of the bill. So by Sunday, we should be able to uh, get all our uh, um, points together. Amen. 
and so far people are registering interest so please let's know your interest because by next week sunday we will just announce everything so now the dates that we are going with is 27th to 29th may that will be a friday to a sunday so next week we will just give you more details about it so that all of us can register our interest so that we can start to prepare and do the necessary deed for the camp amen god willing tomorrow too is our easter prayer festival we'll be fasting and praying so let's remember that the theme for this is redemption if i was praying a lot that lord what do you want us to share during this three-day prayer festival and i had that word yesterday redemption so the theme is redemption so we all our prayer points is going to be centered around the doctrine of redemption amen um pregnant women don't fast people over 60 just do a very light fast okay if you are working long hours um hydrate a lot and probably break your fast early so that you can have energy to eat aside that anybody else Let's try and observe the fast. And and what's more important about the fast is making time to pray and read the word. It's not just staying hungry and being hungry. Okay. Making time to pray and study the word. And then when it's time for us to meet corporately, join in and, and let's pray. All right. Listen to tapes. Listen to messages. There are, there are no tapes anymore. Listen to recordings. Let me say so. Listen to recordings. Listen to messages that will build your faith up. Pastor Jessica's message, Pastor Robert's message, they are available. Listen to them fasting and it will help you to observe the exercise. I want to believe that by the time uh, we finish everything on Sunday, um, we will be blessed. We will experience edifying. Amen. So God bless you all. Enjoy the rest of your night. Oh my and God, I'm sorry. Uh, what time is going to be the prayer to, tomorrow? 7. 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. All right. And please share share the posters, amen. The the flyers that were done. Share it uh-huh. on your social media handles everywhere. Let's flood it and let's share it, amen. And it will be a blessing. So thank uh-huh. you all. Pastor Steve, another question? Yes. About the reservation that are for the camp trip that we expecting to come. Uh, you said that we have to speak to Pastor Ravi, right? Yes. So, su- Sunday, we will flesh out all the details so that we'll have every detail and then he will take over from there. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Good night, guys. Love you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, huh?